1 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we'll be at this evening. I trust that will be a blessing and a challenge. I had something else that I had intended to bring if I were to be called on. Pastor had told me to be ready, but this is not it. And this was something else that uh, came to me, I think, from the Lord. And, and so I'm going to share it with you tonight. And I just trust, listen, I want us to go forward and do more for Christ. I want to give God the glory with my life. I want to reach souls for Him. And so tonight we're going to talk about running to obtain. Running to obtain. So if you're able and you would, stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 9, and we'll read verses 24 down through the end of the chapter. The Word of God says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest, excuse me, lest that by any means... When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Father, tonight we do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for the young people and all those that have, uh, Lord, put together the program for us tonight and what a blessing it is. And I pray, Lord, that those scripture lessons would burn into the hearts of the young people and that they would grow up and live for you uh, from a young age. And Father, I pray for us as adults, Lord, sometimes we forget those things that are so simple yet needed. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your patience and, and love for us. And Father, we ask now that you would bless the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you'd bless in spite of the speaker. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth with power and that you would touch hearts only as you can. And Father, tonight we'll give you the glory for all of it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, here we are at the first Sunday of February. More than 30 days into those New Year's resolutions. How are you doing? Rhetorical, you don't have to answer. I'm an abysmal failure. No, you don't have to admit that publicly. Have you made progress in an area? Uh, I trust you're making progress in your walk with the Lord. Hopefully that was one of your goals this year. Listen, sometimes we get serious about things, but the fervor wears over time. We set out some goals or some plans, and we get we're serious about these things. But as time goes on, we kind of lose our, our momentum. But I trust that's not the case in your service to our Lord. I hope you're excited. And I hope you want to do something for God. Within this congregation, with one another. But I came across an illustration, and I want to share it with you. And, and we'll look at a couple things uh, tonight uh, from this passage. But there's a lady named Ann Sheber. Uh, she died in 1995. My boys would say, boy, that's a long time ago, but... Doesn't seem all that long ago to me, but she passed away at the the age of 101. 
For years, she lived by herself in a tiny rundown apartment in Manhattan. The paint on her walls was peeling, and everything was covered with dust. Anne lived on Social Security and a small monthly pension, which she had began receiving when she retired from the IRS in 1943. At age 51, when she retired, she was making only $3,150 per year. Not month, per year. Those who knew her say that she was the model of thrift. She did not spend money on herself. When her furniture wore out, she kept on using it. She wouldn't even subscribe to a newspaper. Rather, she went to the library once a week to read uh, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Norman Lamb, the president of Yeshiva University, was blown away when he learned that this poor old woman left her entire estate to his university. $22 million. <clears throat> How did she do it? One day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. She had managed to save $5,000 by the time she retired in 1943. She invested that in stocks. By 1950, she had begun to profit, uh, or she made a big enough profit to buy 1,000 shares of Schreiber Plow Corporation stock, uh, then valued at $10,000, and she held on to that stock, letting its value build. Uh, Anne understood the value of investing for the long haul. Whether her stocks went up or down, she never sold it off. When she earned dividends, she kept investing and reinvesting them. While most people around her became poorer, the older they get or got, she became wealthier. I think we can learn a valuable uh, spiritual lesson from Anne in, in her story here. Worthwhile investments take time to mature. Worthwhile investments. And listen, tonight as Christians, we're investing in heaven. And how short-sighted we get in this life. And we forfeit the opportunity to invest our time and our talents and our finances in eternity. Tonight, I'm not interested about your net worth or your financial health, but really your spiritual health. Where are you on that ladder of spiritual maturity? It doesn't matter if you're a baby Christian, only re recently begin to walk with the Lord, or if you're a senior saint and you've been serving faithfully for years. We all need to learn the lesson that spiritual investments take time to mature. Uh, it takes time. No doubt Anne would have been tempted to, to bail out and to take the cash from her stocks. Boy, who wouldn't want to live like a millionaire? Uh, I mean, certainly it would be a, a lot easier life for many. Uh, the easy road to take, but she did not do that. Uh, she, had, she was determined to do something different with her money. And hers may be a, more of a secular uh, application, but I, I hope you understand what I'm talking about, how we can invest in spiritual things. I've met people who have bailed out on their spiritual investments. I've met those who have bailed out on being a husband and a father. I saw it time and time again in the military. Over and over, I've met those who have cashed out on the ministry in the local church and walked away. 
I'm only 40 years old and I've seen it in people that I went to high school with. Uh, people that I thought at the time were more on fire than God than I am. And they're not in church today. I've met those that even tried to walk away from God. But uh, he's wherever you go. He's already, you can't walk away from him. Jesus wants us to be rich. But not necessarily materially rich. Certainly spiritually rich, though. Uh, He wants us to reap the dividends of peace, joy. Here's a good one, contentment. To be content with whatsoever state we're in. Fulfillment. He wants us to be able to lay our heads on the pillow at night and feel content and satisfied. Do you? There's nothing like a good night's sleep because you know that there's nothing between. What a blessing it is. Uh, Jesus even said this in John 10.10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The trouble is we let the world define abundant life rather than allowing Scripture and our Savior to define what that abundant life is. And we uh, so oftentimes uh, miss the mark in that area. Uh, Jesus gives us so much, and He really allows us to invest our riches wherever we want. Riches in talent, riches in, in, in time, or, or even finances. You guys remember the, the story of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10? Uh, Jesus gives him an investment strategy. Here it is. Mark 10, 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. Remember the story, he did not do. He did not take Jesus' advice. I dare say he regrets that investment opportunity that he missed. He also said this in Matthew, Lay it not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Listen, when you invest in heaven, you got nothing to lose. Nobody can take that away. It's good for eternity. Boy, oh, but we get so distracted with the shiny things on earth. In 1 Corinthians, we see the analogy of Jesus as the foundation of our lives, and we must build on him. Some build temporary, perishable materials, wood, hay, stubble. Others build those things that are eternal or imperishable materials. And we'll look at that passage here shortly. Uh, But listen, where are you laying up or what are you laying up tonight? And so tonight I want to examine the thought, running to obtain. Uh, I think the Apostle Paul was a sports fan. Uh, I don't know if they had the the paper there in his day, but uh, he probably would have opened it to the sports page first. Uh, He's got some sports analogies in in the scripture that he's given us. And I think it's appropriate because he's in Corinth and that's where... uh, they were kind of the, the originating place of the Olympics. But um, <clears throat> uh, as he shares the truths of long-term spiritual investments, the Apostle Paul kind of shares some of those things here. He uses these sports metaphors, and in the process, he describes three qualities of long-term investment. So we're going to talk about those tonight. The first one is determination. If you want to have an abundant life, if you want to lay up 
investments for the future in heaven, you need to be determined. Verse 24 and 25, we see that it's like, life is like likened to a race here. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? Uh, boy, I know all of us can relate to that life may seem like a rat race sometimes. Is sometimes you seem like you're just running around. Sometimes it's uphill. Boy, it seems like it's a battle all the way. Sometimes it's downhill. Uh, boy, this is easy running, downhill. Uh, I like running downhill. When I was stationed in Okinawa, we would do uh, quite a bit of running, and they had the Habu Trail, and it was miserable. It was just like this. It was just, and, you know, there in the morning at PT, we go to PT around 6, and it's already 85, 90 degrees out. And the humidity is close to 100%. And you just, your t-shirt and your shorts are just soaking sweaty. Because, uh, but life can be like a race. Uh, but this race is not a sprint. It's more of a marathon or a long distance run. Big dividends come from long term investments. Did you know marathons aren't won in a day? That race may take place on a particular day. But those runners have trained and prepared for that day. That's just the culmination of all their effort and all their time and all their investment is is that day. Uh, Listen, we must have daily determination. Let me paraphrase verse 24, if you'll allow me tonight. I guess you don't have a choice. I'm up here, you're down there. In the race of life, some win and some lose. Some achieve great things for God, some live for themselves. Some find fulfillment, some live with what might have been. We all are on the track tonight. We all are running the race of life, so to speak. I urge you tonight, uh, run with no regrets. And hopefully that will develop as we move along here. There's a poem that says this. It says, of all the words of tongue and pen, the saddest are, it might have been. Don't get to the end of life and look back and go, wow. If only I had trained. If only if I had dieted. If only I had disciplined myself. Uh, If I had been temperate, you don't want to have regrets. You want to be determined. Some run to win. Some just run. Uh, I've run, I don't know know how many countless miles in the Air Force. Um, Most of them because the Air Force made me, not because I necessarily wanted to. (laughs) And when I first joined the Air Force, see, I was deceived, Right? Uh, when I first joined the Air Force, everybody talks about this chair force, and they don't do anything. Uh, and I joined in 01, and I think in 2002, they went from a bike test to running and push-ups and sit-ups and, like, physical workouts. And I thought, boy, that, I, I didn't join for this. Uh, is this the Marine Corps? What is going on? <laughs> but nonetheless, I started running quite a bit. And uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't always uh, do my best. Uh, at different places, they would call it the shuffle. <laughs> and, and, and listen, as I, as I 
Uh, I will admit that I was definitely not the shuffler all the time, but I did participate a couple times throughout my career. I usually, I always try to beat my airmen because then I can make them feel bad because the old fat technical sergeant or master sergeant or whatever rank I was, their supervisor was beating them. Um, but listen, some people are just running. They're just getting along. I just got to survive. The Air Force said we're running for 45 minutes straight. If I only get half a block, okay. <laughs> How determined are we in this run? There's things at stake here. There's eternity at stake. Listen, the souls of men are at stake. But oftentimes we take this lax attitude toward the the Christian life. Uh, And we don't determine that we're going to honor God as we go. Paul says this, he says, But one receiveth the prize... So run that you may obtain. This literally means run in such a way that you may win or seize or possess or or apprehend, attain, or to win. So run that you may obtain. He's, He's trying to encourage us to get off the couch, to get out of the leisure activities of life, and to get serious about the things of God. One receiveth the prize or one wins the race. Uh, No, they, or excuse me, verse 25, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. People are, the Super Bowl's coming up. Those guys are going to compete. They're going to give everything they have, their almost singularly focused attention in life for a ring. That's crazy. There's riddles over here. Go buy one of those things. But I think the Apostle Paul is trying to get our attention and say, listen, as those people focus on competition and they spend their life training to go to the Olympics or to be in the Super Bowl, are we that serious about our walk with God and about our race for Christ? In Paul's day, the prize for the winner of the race, uh, the Olympics or the Isthmian Games, it was probably what it was called. I think they took place there in Corinth. Uh, But it was a garland or a wreath, a crown. I know some women like flowers, but really? But really, it's more about the prestige and the pride of being a winner. In, in the accomplishment there. And we know winners were widely recognized and given large rewards. And I, and I don't want to downplay any of that. There's some, uh, I believe there's some merit in some of those things. But listen, we run for an incorruptible crown. How much far more valuable of a prize do we have set before us that we can win? Listen, in our race, there's more than one winner. We can all win. And I know that's not popular because every kid gets a trophy these days. Uh, But the reality is in the Christian life, if we would do our best before our God, he will reward us for what we do. That's a blessing. That's something to get excited about. And it's incorruptible. Do we know? I don't even, I should have Googled this. Do we even know if any of those wreaths exist today? 
that those people competed for and won? I doubt it. Maybe I should Google that when I get home tonight, but or maybe I'll duck, duck, go it. (laughs) Listen, in salvation, we have eternal life. However, in running the race, uh, we can obtain, like the Apostle Paul says in in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verses 7 and 8, it says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Listen, he's got a reward for us that is far greater than anything this world has to offer. Are you determined? Listen, determination makes all the difference sometimes. There were times I was running, I'll never forget, I was in Korea and uh, I was in probably the best shape of my life when I was in Korea. I was tra- trained for some triathlon stuff, and I was, I was running. And, and listen, those boys, they give me a hard time about those burpees on Tuesdays. But I'm telling you, I did more burpees in probably the two years I was in Korea and the rest of my life, and I was in the best shape ever. They're effective. They work. Extra credit. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> but I'll never forget, I was running the perimeter of the base. Uh, I was on the backside, and my legs started to get really sore, um, and they were starting to kind of be locking up and really achy, and I was hurting, and it just became a mental game. I just had to determine that I'm going to finish without walking. I wanted to walk so much. I wanted to give in and, and just to take my ease, but I just said, you know what? I'm not going to. My goal was to do this lap without stopping and walking. Praise God I did it. Listen, sometimes we just need to determine that we're going to do the right thing. One of the world's greatest tragedies is a person who possesses great abilities and potential, but just drifts through life because they have no ambition, no drive, no determination. He just settles for mediocrity. And and listen, we're going to talk about these things, and it's only going to get better from here, I hope, but... Listen, I'm not saying that we're doing this all in our own power, don't, so don't misunderstand me tonight. I know it's by the grace of God and His grace is sufficient to strengthen us and get us through all this, but sometimes we do have to make a decision to commit to the road and to get up, out of bed and go for a jog. Just like we need to work out sometimes, we need to commit to the Christian life. Look at verse 25, and the Apostle Paul says this, Every man that striveth for the masteries is temperate in all things. Here's some commentary from Barnes. He said this about it. He said, The word which is rendered is temperate denotes abstinence from all that would excite, stimulate, and ultimately enfeeble. From wine, from exciting and luxurious living, and from licentious indulgences. It means that they did all they could to make the body vigorous, active, and supple. They pursued a course of entire temperate living. It relates not only to indulgences unlawful in themselves, but listen to this, but to abstinence from many things that were regarded as lawful, but which were believed to render the body weak and effeminate. These people will commit themselves to abstaining from things that aren't necessarily wrong because they want to win. 
When's the last time you denied yourself something because you wanted to honor God? Or because you wanted to reach somebody for Christ? Hopefully we'll look at that here in a few moments, Lord willing. Listen, I think if you could describe the Apostle Paul in one word, an appropriate word could be determination. He did not just live his life. He attacked it. He sold out totally for Christ. Everything. Paul was determined to be a winner. He was determined to make wise investments of his time, his abilities, and his resources. And that's why we just read a moment ago, he could say, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He had committed to living for God. No reservation. He gave everything up. Are you determined to live your life for God? Most of us are going to say, yeah, tonight. But are you determined enough to abstain from those things that hinder your race? That hinder your walk with God? Your ability to get closer to God or your ability to reach the lost? How committed are you? How determined are you? Some of us think, well, they just ought to conform. The Apostle Paul said, I'm all thanks to all men. Less time on leisure things and more time on spiritual things. And I'll stop there because I don't want to start meddling in your life. But listen, if we want to do something for God, we're going to have to determine that we're going to have to spend some time on the spiritual things that are important. Because when life is over, the leisure things that we enjoy and we invest so much time, so much money, and so much effort in, they're not going to mean a lick of anything. Now have those things, enjoy them when it's appropriate. But don't overemphasize those. And listen, I'm telling you tonight, if God burdens your heart to give up something because he wants to use you in a greater capacity for the gospel's sake, give it up. You're not going to regret it. You may feel like you're missing out here on this earth for a moment. But when you stand before him and he says, well, good, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here's your crown of righteousness you will have zero regret. So if God's burdening your heart to get serious about Him, do it. Listen, I'm, I'm determined, or I'm, I'm convinced that God wants to use us. Are we willing to be a vessel that's usable? to get serious about spiritual things, to determine that we're going to do those things that are pleasing to Him. We need to be determined, but we also need to, be, to have direction. Look at verse 26. I therefore so run, not as an uncertainty, so, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Uh, here's a funny illustration. A fellow pulled his car over and asked an old man how far it was to this certain town. And the old man said this, Well, Sonny, <clears throat> if you keep going the way you're headed, it's about 25,000 miles. But if you turn around, it's about three miles. To invest is not enough. We must make wise investments. What's the direction of your investment? <coughs> Excuse me. Listen, in our opening illustration, Anne could have invested her nest egg unwisely and died penniless. 
she became wealthy because of wisely investing her resources. Paul says here in verse 36, we are not to run, not as uncertainly. And then he goes on changing the metaphor a little bit using a boxing term, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. Paul had a direction. Look, look, look verse 19 down through 23. This whole chapter is good, but uh, we, we're running out of time. But verse 19 says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that uh, are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, Uh, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partakers thereof with you. And then he goes into our text passage here. Listen, the apostle Paul ordered his life for the sake of the gospel. His direction was unwavering a life of the gospel. Like our Savior was. Listen, whether it was the world or whether it is the world of investing, financial investing, running a race, or fighting around in the ring, or living for Christ, we need direction. We need sound strategies uh, and sound planning. We ought to be intentional about our walk with God and about our intent to reach the lost. People train for weeks, months, years to run a race. We go weeks, months, years without reading our Bibles. Lord, help us. What's the direction? Well, our direction, our focus needs to be Christ. Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen, lay aside distractions tonight. If you have distractions in your life, if you have weights, if you have things that are holding you back, just cut them loose. They're holding you back from greater dividends in eternity. And if you gain the whole world, you'll have nothing but regrets in eternity. We need to run with endurance, it says there. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen, we have a great example of endurance in our Savior. Hebrews 12, 2, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before Him, He was looking at the prize. He was looking at the end. We need to get our eyes off the start line and start thinking about the finish line. The Lord's coming back. I think I mentioned this somewhat recently, but I remember as a, and maybe it was just because it was so impactful in my life at the time because I was fairly young in the Christian life, but I felt like every message was about the second coming of Christ. And it was always in the forefront of my mind, like, we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. We don't have time to waste. Brother Benson mentioned the other day, it's high time 
to awake out of sleep. Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. Boy, this day is closer than ever before. Listen, the finish line is far more important than the start line. Where's your focus? Listen, it can be a hard run. I've ran 10-milers and all those long, stupid runs that the military wants you to do. Like I said, I think I mentioned in Sunday school, I hang out with the Army quite a bit at at times, and those goons just run for running. It's like, ugh, it's just, we're going to do this today, because, and we're going to do it in combat boots because we're hardcore, right? But (laughs) listen, Christ was focused on the harvest. Matthew 9, 36 and 38. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad and his sheep having no shepherd. And you guys know what he tells the disciples here. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And he says, pray for more laborers. And And I mentioned this verse a little bit earlier, 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, 12 through 15. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Listen, there's a reward ahead Don't forget the direction that we're headed. I loved running my PT test at Fairchild Air Force Base. Uh, There was an outdoor track there, and it was three-quarters of a mile. Air Force PT test is a mile and a half. I know you Marine Corps guys, it's just a warm-up, but for me, that's what we did. But here at Ellsworth, they have this indoor track, and you feel like a hamster. You know, it's just really small. It's above the basketball court, and it's just really small. And when I was at Holloman, there, it was even shorter. The indoor track there was even shorter, so it was just miserable. But I could pace myself so good on this track at Fairchild because the first lap, you know, whatever, but the second lap, you knew. It was very visible. Like, I got to get to that point. I round this corner. It's a straightaway. Boom, I'm done. Listen, get your eyes on the finish line. Set a goal. I want to honor God with my life. And whatever it takes, whatever you need to let loose of, don't be afraid to do it. Listen, pastor's message this morning was good. The world may ridicule. The world will. And I was just, I was going through memories this morning because some of the things he said, I was like, I remember sitting, I can think of sitting at work having that conversation with a particular person. Nuts because I tithed. Listen, that doesn't, and listen, I'll tell you what. There may be Christians that criticize you for the things that you're not going to do because you want to honor God with your life. Amen. So stinking what? Amen. If that's what God wants you to do, do it. Amen. Quit worrying about what everyone else thinks and start worrying about what God thinks. Amen. And if God wants you to forsake something, if God wants you to give up something, listen, it can be lawful, it can be good. But if it's hindering you, take the step and let it go and honor God with your life. Quit conforming 
Listen, we're independent Baptists. You can be an independent Christian and honor God with your life. Regardless of what everyone else is doing. Listen, but I get it. The track can seem long and the road rough. But we need to be determined to keep our direction. Be determined that we're going to look to Christ and, and honor Him. Listen, Jesus and the Apostle Paul were unwavering in their direction. The Lord set His direction and did not waver and went to the cross. Stay the course. Listen this evening. Stay the course and you will not be disappointed. The track might get long. The Habu Trail in Okinawa, you would round a corner, and I, I, every corner looked the same. It was so discouraging. You think, this, I'll round that corner, and we're going to be back to the squadron. And you round that corner, I was like, oh, there's through two more miles still. And, and you would round the next corner, oh, this is it. Listen, sometimes it can feel that way, but don't waver. Don't quit. Keep running. Listen, we have a Savior He's going to prepare a place. He's coming again. Listen, we're going to spend eternity with him. And lastly tonight, we need some discipline. And I know these are similar. But look at verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Discipline keeps us going when we would rather give up. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've gained a little weight since June of 2022. Significant moment in my life. You don't have to agree so loudly, brother. I retired from mandatory PT from the Air Force. Listen, discipline will get me out of bed to go for a run because I'm determined. To accomplish something physically, perhaps. The Apostle Paul says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. The word or, or what we see there, I keep under, means that Paul made use of all possible means to subdue his corrupt and carnal inclinations. To show that he was not under the dominion of evil passions, but was wholly under the dominion of the gospel. We saw that in verses 19 through 23. He ordered his life in such a way to further the gospel. He was a disciplined man. I believe we can gain that from Scripture very easily about the Apostle Paul. He was very committed to doing what he could to honor God and for the furtherance of the gospel. So much so he didn't do things or he did things because of the furtherance of the gospel. He goes on there to say, and bring it into subjection. This means uh, to be a slave driver, to enslave, bring into subjection. We don't like that term today. If you say that in some crowds, oh boy, you can't even say that. Listen, Paul enslaved his body to the, ter term, to the determination of his mind. He was determined that he was going to go in the direction of Christ, and he forced his body to comply. He enslaved his body. He was determined to honor God, and thus his body was subject to this goal. Listen, your body doesn't have the rule over you. When we fail, when we make those mistakes, we've determined that we were going to do those. 
And I think oftentimes we're presumptuous. Well, the Lord will forgive. God forbid. God help us. We ought to be determined to honor God with our life and bring our body into subjection. We don't like the idea of discipline. We like the idea of freedom or liberty. But we often use our liberty as an occasion to our flesh. And it becomes an excuse. Or a license to do what we think. And well, nobody needs to tell me. We need some discipline in our lives. This discipline ought to help, or to help us keep moving in the right direction. That's the purpose of the discipline. I know guys that get up every day and go to the gym. And guess what? Their body looks like they get up and go to the gym every day. I don't get up and go to the gym every day. Thus, you get this. <laughs> Listen, we must determine to follow Christ. Are you disciplined enough to get up and read the Word of God every day? Are you disciplined enough to spend time in prayer? Sometimes we do need to set a routine. Sometimes we do need to ensure that we have boxes to check. Because if we're not, if we don't, we'll become lazy and apathetic and complacent in how we go about our race. Listen, the ones that run these races that the Apostle Paul is talking about, they're temperate in all things. They're ordering their life in such a way that they may obtain. Listen, do you want to get more like Christ? You're going to have to spend more time with Him. You're going to have to be faithful to church. You're going to have to be obedient to His Word. It's not just going to magically happen one day and you're going to wake up and think, boy, I'm a preacher. Listen, trust me, it doesn't work that way. We must determine to follow Christ. If something is a distraction from allowing God to use you for the gospel's sake, you ought to be willing to give it up. Even if it's not a sin. Listen to me tonight. We're going to close. I don't know if the Lord's spoken to you tonight. But if you would stand to me with your feet and, and we'll have the pianist come. The altar's open tonight. If you need to do business with God, I want you to come.